0: Hey, it's Scott Oren of Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal, it saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like we see a lot of startups coming in The Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. Founders and Friends. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty. Oh. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. My very special guest today is Charlie Kevers of Carta. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we oh uh, my pleasure. We've been a partner of Carta's for many, many years, and uh, we're excited to have you on. And you do a lot for the cruise clients. So I'm excited to have you tell the story, but maybe you could just start off by retracing your own career a little bit and, and tell us how you landed at, at Carta.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated story, but I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it quickly. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not a, a typical typical finance guy. I started my career in consulting in Europe, happened to support a lot of private equity funds doing deals. So I actually early on got a bit of a, a exposure to equity and kind of transactions and investments. And so I found that really interesting. After business school, decided to you know go somewhere else and, and um, do strategy work in Asia. So I spent a couple of years in Korea for Samsung, so a completely different uh, type of environment, which was which is super interesting, and then uh, came to the US in 2007 to join an investment bank, with JP Morgan uh, in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. to support the uh, the M and A team there. So they, they did that for not not super long, that for a year, and then realized I'm just going to go to a company. Like I don't know if you have heard the recent stories about uh, investment banking hours. It was it was about that bad. Yeah. Well, uh, I was I, I was also a JP
0: Morgan. So oh, that's Hamburg right. You were
1: at H and Q. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably some of the folks
0: you worked with at JP Morgan M and A are the same people I worked for. I, All, and by the way, it was a great group of people. It was just like the hours. You can't you can't get around the hours and invest in investment banking. It's just how it is. No, yeah. it's
1: it's rough. I mean, I learned a ton. You're exactly yeah. right. I love the people. Learned a ton. Still keep in touch with many people from yeah. there. Uh, but it was it was rough. So so transition to go to go do M and A at at a tech company uh, at the time HP. I know it's a bit more old school now, but it it was a great learning ground in terms of how does a big company do this and really learning to start to connect it more to the operational aspects of the business and how do you integrate it? How do you think about the financials? and, And just really learning a ton on that front. And it was, I mean, you know, as much as it's not growing as fast as other software companies you could see, it was a really well run company and I got to do a lot of different transactions there. International, US, a lot of different things. So, did that for, for a few years and also spent two years in investor relations and IR. So, oh. uh, yeah, at, at HP, where I, it was also during an interesting time. It was when HP had, I don't know if you remember, when, when uh, Mark Kerr just left and then we had yeah. four CEOs in two years. Yeah. That's when I did IR. Uh, so, <laughs> That's uh, tough. If That's if a tough remember, story to tell. Yeah, it, yeah. Wasn't, it, it wasn't fun. But, talk about learning. Is uh, learned a lot on on how to handle investors and, and you know, talking to the fidelities of the world and, and but that was that was a really interesting experience. Was not planning to do that at all. It's one of those where you know I, I was working with a lot of senior people there and, and learned a ton. And and one of them said, you know, if you're interested in finance, you got to do IR. This is something very few people do. Go spend some time there. You'll learn a ton. You'll 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 understand how investors think, and will give you it'll get you closer to a lot of the executives and, well, they, and better and- understand how they think.
0: And you're right. The investors ask so many smart questions and you learn the hedge funds versus the mutual right. funds versus what everyone cares about. I'm sure it makes things a lot tighter internally. Like You know what you're managing to uh, when you're running a finance organization. Uh,
1: you're 100% right. And I think that's that's something I didn't appreciate at all until doing during the work is that the finance team would come to me saying, what do you think? What are the questions you're getting? How should we think about it? What metrics matter? And, and doesn't mean you necessarily run the business exactly that way, but that input is so critical. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's still the same for even you know private companies, but just uh, appreciating that input is, is fascinating. And to your point, they asked really smart questions. I actually I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, got, I got to deal with really smart people. It was really, yeah. really cool. That's excellent. And so I did, I did want to go to something that, that was moving a little faster. So I ended up uh, going back to M&A and doing that at Salesforce. Nobody needs to introduce Salesforce. That was back in 2012, I think. I, I went, I went there, uh, so still pretty early. And I, I joined uh, the the Corp Dev team, that at the time was the same team doing M&A and investment. So now they have a massive investment portfolio. Yeah, they invested in, in in all the good SaaS companies out there. That was really my introduction to cap tables and equity and. and what what is what is the private markets look like? Because we were doing one investment a week uh, when I was there. It was just a crazy pace. Uh, and then we're doing several, several acquisitions a year as well. So a lot of a lot of dealing with like what's you know, what, what's the, the, the ownership structure of all these companies we're dealing with. I said so that, that's really what started to give me a lot more appreciation for cap tables at the time, mostly mostly in Excel, mostly coming from law firms. And I had I had several deals. Uh, I had one investment deal and an M&A deal that almost blew up because the capital was wrong. One at the last minute, we found a mistake. All the flow of funds had to to be redone. It was like a complete disaster. But that really made me appreciate like why is this still so so manual? And so didn't do a whole lot with it. But like that really stuck with me. I, after after Salesforce, wanted to refocus my career a bit more on finance. So I went to Lending Club. It was also a good opportunity for me to get into fintech because I'm really interested in, in a lot of the infrastructure around this. And so, Lending Club for for a couple of years. Uh, this was fascinating because I, I wasn't you know I'd not spent a ton of time in financial services outside of investment banking. So this was really you know personal loans, a completely new kind of approach to how you fund these loans a the marketplace, a lot of interesting topics, and I was focused mostly on new products. So for example, the uh, when I was there, we launched an auto product, uh, I was part of the team that was kind of launching that from the finance standpoint, and understand all the implications. And so that, really fascinating to understand all, all the compliance and, and risk aspects of, of a business like that. Uh, and then happened to get in, introduced to Henry, uh, who was looking for a finance person at the time. And, and very quickly, what he was you know, saying that he was solving, I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like, you just stop there. I get it. How, how could we work together? And of course, he has, you know, he had already a time, a way bigger vision than just digitizing equity. But it quickly kind of brought me back to my, my days at Salesforce and say I get it. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how that's how I get to um, to join Carta four years ago. Totally,
0: That's amazing. What a great journey. And, and you've been at Carta for over four yep. years, I yep. think. So you've also seen the company go from like a startup to like a late stage you know someday gonna go public kind of company. that's that's its own journey right there.
1: It's, it's fascinating. I mean, that's also one one reason I, I wanted to go make the jump right to a smaller company. Carta at the time was by far the smallest company I would ever, you know, joined. Given the the size companies I've worked uh, with historically, and it was I think 150 employees when I joined. We're close to a thousand now, so a ton of change. And, and it's wow, been, it's been unbelievable, really
0: unbelievable. I remember when I first saw Carta. By the way, at at we before we turn on the cameras and the recording, we have a bunch of friends in common at Salesforce and. Lending club, so it's we've we've lived, been living dual lives here. But uh, I still remember when the first time I saw C- like Carta or eShares at the time, and I was actually a venture capital fund too. And, the, and someone sent us it was actually oh my god, I'm blanking on the name, but it's a company doing really, really well. They sent us a digital certificate from eShares, and I was <laughs> like, What is this? And so I dug in and I was like you, where I had always kind of wondered that like the law firm controlled the cap table and controlled the Excel. And I get why the law firm controlled it because they're issuing options and things like right. that and, and safekeeping. But I still remember like every time something needed to get changed on a cap table it was a thousand dollars, like blink of an eye at least, right? Because the, the lawyers billable rates were so high and they did it manually. And so when I joined Vanessa at Cruz six years ago, we were starting to promote Carta because we saw that like, oh my gosh, the startups can actually save a ton of time and money using the cap table management tool. So I've we've been pretty big proponents on day one because it just makes everyone's life so much easier.
1: Yeah, it was it, I mean, it was it was fascinating for me to dig into the product early on and realizing, oh my God, it's completely replacing all these processes. I, I, I thought were just were manual and nobody questioned that and there was no tool to to, to solve that. It was I mean, in stepping in the finance role in terms of overseeing all the operations, I mean, you know, we, we obviously leverage the platform very, very aggressively, and it, it's it's been so helpful. Yeah, maybe you can just walk like do
0: the. I think most people listening to this know what CapTable software is, a CapTable manager software, but maybe just give like the thirty second or one minute what Carta does, how it makes your life easier. So, so folks who are new, startup people are listening to this, they'll just know
1: how it works. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean the simplest way to think about us is is, is our system helps founders, and companies as they grow, just manage the full life cycle of equity, meaning all the way from issuing equity to their employees, their investors, and that whole process. And then the whole life cycle is what does it mean to, to have equity to enable employees to interact with it, have visibility, exercise their, their options and all that process, and that completely automated uh, on our platform. Then, then all the finance implications of it, like the compliance around all the tax docs that need to go to employees and company, uh, of course, the you know expense accounting, and really at every step of maturity, having the tools to be able to make the right decisions around equity. So mm-hmm. hey, all, all the scenario modeling when you raise around, we recently uh, did something specifically for safes, and that's one of the, as I'm sure you know really well, super tricky, like really understanding the long-term impact yeah. of, of the dilution there. It's, just, it's all about putting all the right tools in the hands of founders and folks who don't think about equity all the time. But making sure that whenever it matters, it's available, it's easy to access, the information is there and you can make it right. There.
0: You're right about the easy access and them having info- and having the tools right there. And even for us who's advise, you know, we have like four hundred and something clients now, it makes our life so much easier as their accountant or advisor because we can get in there, we have access to for tax filings, we can pull all the information for like when because we're often ta- times talking them through their next mm-hmm. fundraise and talking about the delusion and looking at the term sheet and being like, well, 10 on 40, that's pretty good. You're giving up 10, you know, 20% of the company, like, but making it kind of crystal clear with real data is really, really powerful. So you guys, you've done a great job. We we're, we we're joking before we turned the camera on that. I mean, I still remember when Henry was like emailing us and calling us in six years ago, you know, when, when I joined Vanessa, cause, cause, and it was like, it was just, it, he was so passionate. The te- early team was so passionate and it made just so much sense for everyone. And, and so it's been really gratifying to see, I mean, how many, like, do you have some stats on Carter? Like how many customers do you have and you know, how big are you guys? Yeah, now? we've
1: got over 18,000 companies. I think the way I like to think about wow. it, so yeah, it's it's a lot. It's just managing from a finance standpoint has been fun. What's 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 been fascinating for me for me is just to look at what's been the the penetration in the in the private market, specifically venture backed right? That, that's where we're, that's our core business today. Yeah. Our estimate is we're around thirty five percent of venture back companies run on Cardano, and that to me is it's been fascinating because now we've got a lot of data that can, we can, you know, hopefully start to feed back to, to those companies to make better decisions, benchmarking, those types of things that could be really, really helpful.
0: I'd say 90 to 95% of the cruise clients run on you. Cause we, as part of our onboarding, we actually talk about Carta and talk to the companies about getting, so it's, it's, our client base tends to be like kind of the future. So you guys have got still, I mean, it's still a huge opportunity with even 18,000. You probably can double that in the next yeah, 3 or 4 years yeah. which will be really exciting. Absolutely. For those that don't know and any venture capitalists or seed fund folks that are listening to this, you actually have like a fund business too. You want to talk about that just briefly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in, in the quick history is because we've accumulated all this information on portfolio companies, we're in a we're in a unique position to then help the funds better manage their portfolio and kind of report on their own performance, right? And so yeah, a couple of years ago, almost 3 now we uh, we launched a fund administration business, which is effectively running the back office for funds. Uh, that yep. similar to what we did for for uh, for private companies. We, we started really thinking about early stage funds, new managers, and how can we automate a lot of the work for them. So very similar. How do you how do you implement running a fund on a platform like Carla, which means you know formation should be super easy. Subscription docs should yep. be should be completely online and easy for LPs to deal with completely rethinking how that that the reporting gets done too and of course it all is powered by the information already being you know on our platform and a lot of it is kind of how do you build yep. that central source of truth for everybody in the ecosystem and that that's, that's been- yeah really, yeah. really the
0: focus. Well, that's like, I mean, you worked at Salesforce. I mean, you guys are the Salesforce of the that's, cap table and fund document, you know, all that stuff. It's like the, the source of that's truth. That's exactly how you know. I
1: described to my friends at Salesforce, like think Salesforce yeah. for the customer, where that's for equity. It's exactly that.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And by the way, I have a bunch of friends who work at, who are CFOs or operations at funds and they speak lonely of the Carter product that's too. So you guys are doing well there. Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting. And before we get back to the podcast, quick shout out to ChartHop. ChartHop is one of my favorite new SaaS tools on the market. And basically what ChartHop does is it puts your org chart in the cloud. And I always like to say, like, it brings transparency to your organization. And so you know, everyone in your organization can see who they report to, they can see the full org chart of the company and how their group relates to other groups. It also has a lot of information on the individuals in the company. And so you can click on the Chartop profile and just get like where people live, their experience, you know, Slack handles, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a really great tool. The other thing is Chartop has started doing some cool stuff around compensation and budgeting planning. And so you can actually start seeing like what the cost structure of the company look like during certain kind of scenarios. So I'm loving Chartop. Check it out, chartop.com. We use it at Cruise. Really like it. And I can't recommend it enough. All right. Back to the podcast. Maybe let's spend, let's spend some time talking about Card X because this is a pretty big announcement that came out, I think, like last month. And you want, do you want to explain to the audience kind of what Card X is and what you're enabling? Yeah, absolutely. So what Card
1: X is effectively, think of it as a, as a listing venue for, for private companies. So it's kind of like an exchange that that supports trading private stocks. So think of it as an evolution of how do we deal with liquidity in the private markets? As I'm sure you know, Scott, it's a bit of the wild west out there on how secondaries and liquidity generally happens. Most of the time, it's, it's not at the advantage of the employee because there's so much opacity, it's very high friction, it's expensive all these things. So what we wanted to do is, once again, we've got all these companies on, we have their employees that already have accounts on Carta and have all the information needed. And in many cases, we have a lot of the investors already on the platform as well. So everybody's there. right? And now, how do do you put all these people together that want to transact anyway? How do we provide a a more transparent, simpler, and lower friction uh, process to manage liquidity? Because the need is there. Like there's just, liquidity happens anyway. And so how do we bring that frankly into the light and put the company back in control? Cause a lot of what you see happening is funds. Mm-hmm. And I get calls every week, Charlie, you want to sell some car yeah. shares? That still happens. Employees getting ping left and right. I can't tell you the number of CFOs I talked to. like, can you please help me? I am tired of dealing with these one-off requests. I, mean, totally. I get it. The employees you know, see an opportunity, but administrative burden on the companies is, is insane, especially in this environment. There's a lot of movement. And so that's the underlying impetus behind it. What we also wanted is provide a, a platform that drives real price discovery. So it's really a market driven price yeah. setting mechanism. We ran a transaction. And it was really like, hey, here are all the buyers and all the sellers. And based on what the demand and the supply is, what's the market price?
0: I love the concept so much because, and I'll kind of go through all the things you're talking about, but like for folks who don't know, if you're an employee, you're typically subject to like a writer first refusal or something like that, yeah. where the the venture capitalist can actually decide to buy your shares or not before you sell it. So that's like part of the friction. And then if you do get the okay to sell it, you're probably selling it to like a marketplace or someone whose kind of sole goal is to buy it as cheaply as possible mm-hmm. from you so that I can sell it for as much as possible to the investors and make the spread. So there's like, a, it's a, it's like old school stock brokerage almost. There's it's, like a, a spread business. It's exactly that. And you also, I think your point about like combining all this or the price discovery is a really good one because like if one employee is selling something to one exchange, that employee doesn't know what was, what you know, another person doesn't know what that employee sold. And so there's no communication on the side of the sellers <laughs> they just, the, the central exchanges kind of know what's going on. But so that's what I think is so exciting is like, you're actually creating like almost like a, the ability to do a tender offer and let people piggyback on the bulk sale. And you've worked in way more capital market stuff than I have. But I remember from my and quiz days that like the big funds want to tr- transact in volume because if, that's what makes it worthwhile to them. Right. And so you get a better price that way. And so aggregating all this stock to sell actually is like super helpful to the to the rank and file employees who are selling a little bit of it.
1: Absolutely. I mean for us it was it was great to see employees getting kind of the, the best price possible. What's interesting and even if you think about tenders which has been kind of historically the process people have used to to move secondary yeah. shares, even that tends to be a negotiated process, right? We, so we've done tenders before we had CardX. And effectively, you know, it's either on the back end of a primary and there's some connection to the primary or you know, I or Henry would negotiate a, uh, a a deal with an investor, and then we would open it up to employees. But the employee doesn't have a choice. It's like this is the price; take it or leave it. One price. And and yeah. and by the way, you don't even know when it's going to happen next. So a lot of the the process for the employee of making a decision is hard. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about buying a house. I'd love to get some money out. Do I do it now? I I'm I'm not quite ready yet. I want to do it next year. But like, you don't know. And and the main thing we're enabling is at the discretion of the company is you can run these as often as you want so we're going to run these quarterly but I've talked to I was talking to a company yesterday who wants to do it monthly others want to do it every 6 months it's got depending on what you see the demand is you can scale it so that your employees know and then in between specific auctions effectively is what's happening between those auctions you can tell people like no need to go chase for for a deal cuz we're going to have predictable yeah. uh, timelines for that and then we accumulate exactly your point. we accumulate all the demand and the supply and that's that's what's gonna drive the best price. It's beautiful, it's really cool. The other thing you talked about, which I love and
0: I agree with is, all the investors are on it too. Like I invest in some, do some angel investing and so I've got you know all my angel investing stuff on there through all the companies. And so for me, if I try to buy a secondary from some other source right now, it'd be very confusing and I've even investigated it a couple of times, like how do I buy Stripe or something like that? Right. And it, it's like the fact that as an investor, I can just log into the portal and see it and make it actionable for me is, is adding a ton of value. Because like candidly, I'll just usually forget or get distracted and not ever chase that down. And now it's going to be kind of brought to me like
1: in a self-serve way, I think is really, really exciting. Yeah, long term. You're exactly right. Scott. I think long term, that's, that's the other piece we're trying to solve is if you look at who's really benefiting the most from the growth curve of many of these companies that have that have tended to stay private longer, it's all the private investors. And that is really yeah. tough. Late stage. Yeah, Late it, stage, it's yeah. It's really tough to get in these deals, right? I mean, you know, when you're in the environment, you'll get exposure as an angel investor, but it's hard. So what if you had a venue like this where it's, it's a little easier to say, you know, anybody who is an accredited investor, and even that, you know, plenty of things I think we should do to evolve the definition of that. But even with the current definition, how do you start to open it up so that, more people have access to the private markets right now. And if the company is okay with it, why not give them access and kind of just yeah. just really democratizing access to private equity, which is which is really the underlying piece of it here. And the last thing I'd add, and which has been a big driver for us, and frankly is a big driver in many of the discussions I have, is how does that change how you think about compensation for your employees? The discussion I have today with a new employee is very different because I'm like, yes, it's private stock, but every quarter you'll get to sell it as soon as you're vested it's a completely different discussion versus hey you've got a four year grant i don't know when when it'll be liquid but hey we're really really positive it's on not. the future and so yeah well also you're totally
0: right cuz i have some friends who just want to work for public companies because they can sell and then i think the other thing that you're touching on is like if you do if you have vested some stock at a private company you're typically forced to exercise within 3 months or 6 months of leaving the company And, and a lot of times that's a big dollar amount. And so it makes it kind of tough to come up with that kind of money. And so the fact that you can get some liquidity to exercise the rest of your shares is pretty powerful. So you're, you're definitely, you're making, I always like solutions that make the pie bigger and easier for everybody else. And I think this is like a classic solution for that.
1: Yeah, no, we're, we're really, really hopeful that it can help. Help a lot of folks around that.
0: Where are you in the rollout for CardX? So I because I saw the presentation and the announcement, but is is it slowly rolling out, or how how's it going?
1: Yeah, so we have run our first transaction as we always do. We were the first customers at our restaurant, so we 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 <laughs> ate the first uh, the first meal of this new dish, and you know it was it was a great outcome for us. Very happy with with how that that function. We took some feedback from that and kind of uh, made some changes to the platform, and now we're we're engaging with uh, with external uh companies on our platform are ready to to run transactions nothing i can announce yet but we've got a whole pipeline of companies we're working with to awesome. get this done
0: that's great see they they kind of sucked you back into investment banking you're it's, back in the uh <laughs> making markets and all kind of stuff it's,
1: it's very true yeah we've got a bunch of investment bankers who are working in that that part of the company and, and is uh yeah we're having a lot of discussion like how we create a market for this issue or is it it's, it's super yeah, interesting that's, that's really cool
0: well this has been phenomenal i really appreciate your time maybe you can tell everyone you know how to reach out if they want to work with Carta on the cap table. If they want to do Carta X, if they're a fund, you know how do they reach out and start working with Carta?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the best is just to go to to our website, Carta.com, to to get access to you know to the different solutions that we have. One thing I'll remind everybody of is is it's not well known yet, but we have for, for early stage founders we have a free product. So if you if you if you, mm. if you haven't raised, yeah. it's called it's called Carta Launch and it's super important to us because we're just trying to make it easy for people early on just have the right solution to to build their business and not worry about anything and so the, it's 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 all the core cap table functionalities for for, for for companies i think that have raised less than a million and less than 25 employees i think it's, it's all online all, all, but strongly encourage everybody to to check that out and then you know we've got solutions for all the way to public we, we support also more than 50 public companies on the platform so it's really We've got solutions across the board. And of course, if, you, if you're interested in liquidity, uh, check us out. And otherwise, just uh, at car.com uh, Feel free to reach out to me directly as well.
0: Beautiful. And I forgot that we've actually done, we used to do Carta's tax compliance way back in the day. Yes, probably right great. when we first started. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, okay. I
1: remember sw- deciding to uh, to use Cruise. It was phenomenally useful when, when we started because I'm sure many other customers, we just didn't have the expertise in-house to to know how to deal with this. And, and you guys were so helpful uh, helping us scale.
0: Thank you so much. Well, we're very invested in your success. And like I said, uh, for those out there, we really promote Carta. Just be, it, it just makes everyone's life easier, including ours. And we always, you know, it makes, uh, helps allow us to bring the accounting cost down for companies because it's so, like you said, it's so easy to access information. It's right there. And now I'm excited to see, you know, the Carta X is like huge. This is like a huge benefit that you're bringing to the whole startup ecosystem. So I, I can't wait to see it rolled out.
1: Yeah, that's it. We're, we're super excited. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. On. All right, man.
0: Well, thank you so much. No, thank you. Take care, Trevor. So when you. your trouble's a mountain, in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise, from Founders and Friends, it's Cruise Consulting,
1: Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty. Oh. Scotty.